and welcome to Backing Paper for another week of listener-sponsored goodness. That doesn't seem right, but sure, <laughs> let's go with listener-sponsored goodness um, in the sense that it's sponsored by your wonderful emails and even uh, good old paper letters. This week's very exciting. And Ooh. with me, of course to go through this pile of uh, massive missives is the delight that is the ever-wonderful Rachel. Rachel, how are you, my dear? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I am coming to Backing Paper today um, right off the back of a lovely two-day workshop that I've been running in um, Intro to Analogue and Darkroom at the Dot Art um, Darkroom space in Liverpool city centre. So that has been fabulous. Spent two days with a lovely lady called Sarah and a lovely chap called Brendan. And um, we basically went right from shooting, um, loading up our cameras, going out and shooting with them, processing the film and then getting into the darkroom and printing up um, on photogra real photographic paper um, today. So uh, it's been a delight to work with them. They've been so nice and I've had a lovely time. That's awesome. Do you mind if I ask, what was the level of um, experience that they came to this with? Um, well, they were coming from quite varied backgrounds um, themselves and um, we had one of the participants has um, got a Nikon F100 and, but has, and has shot a lot of digital um, already. Uh, but in terms of analogue, they um, both had last used analogue and film um, back in sort of sixth form uh, college sort of age. Um, so a, li a little while ago, I don't want to go into it more than that in terms of ages, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but it was a, a little while ago, a few a few years, shall we say. Um, and the other participant um, was coming to it as a uh, performance uh, artist, um, obviously enjoys photography, but again, hasn't done it really since um, college, sixth form, etc., um, and so wanted to sort of like refresh, uh, refresh their memory over it and basically just thought it would be a really nice way of upskilling and learning something new and um, kind of being creative in a different way. So there we go. That sounds great. That sounds really Ooh. good. A good way to spend the weekend, but a tiring way to spend the weekend as well. It was. It, it's always very intense when you're running these workshops because obviously you're switched on the whole time, you know, and um, as much as you plan these things, you can never quite tell how things are going to go. And um, despite me checking my, everything the, the day before and doing all the prep and, you know, half day sort of prep before, um, on the day we found that the thermometer had stopped working. So that's that's a great one. Yay. Mm -hmm. Um, so we couldn't check any of the temperatures. I found a second thermometer that also did not work. Um, so we had to, <laughs> we were just in the middle of, we're going to nip to boots and buy a new one. <laughs> um, when I finally found a third thermometer hidden deep in the box of um, other bits and pieces. And that one did seem to work. Um, so that's good. And we also had, um, obviously, because we had all the uh, PPE, so like aprons, goggles, etc. And the gloves, which um, were not big enough, did <laughs> not fit. <laughs> so uh, that was a quick dash out to the shop and we'll get uh, uh, different size gloves. <laughs> um, but apart from that, all fine. You know, these things, these things happen, don't they? That sounds fun. Sounds like a lot of yeah. fun. I just, I just wish I could. I wish I had pictures of the Aprils and the Gorkas and everything going on there. Sounds oh, they're, they're the best. The only reason I get people to wear them is so that I can take funny photos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good enough reason. Yeah. It's a very good reason. Um, all right, then. Well, we've got a fantastic, as I mentioned at the start of the show, pile of stuff to get through this week. Mm. So, should we just dig straight into this? Yeah, let's do that. And then you can tell me about your week at the end, perhaps. <laughs> uh, unexciting. There you go. One okay. more description. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well, I'll start with um, this one from Paul Farrell. Oh, yes. Who writes lovely. and say, sorry. What no, was I was say lovely. And I was going to say, whilst you're, whilst you're reading the email, I will very quickly um, copy the rele relevant pictures into the show notes project. Ah, You'll see as you excellent. get through it. Sorry, Rach. That's all right. I will start reading and she'll check when we get to the end. Um, so this is a lovely bumper email by the looks of things. Paul's written in to say, Hi Sunbeams, I thought I should get in touch to update you on my day and tonight effort so far. Ooh, I see what you mean. Exciting. Um, after an initial flurry of activity, the project went on hold for a few weeks as a bit of travel and a family wedding took up most of my weekends for a while. But last weekend I had a window of opportunity to get the pillbox camera finished off, loaded up and outside in the sunshine. 
My plan was to load the camera with a short length of 120 <laughs> film. They've it, He's written it out as 120. He's catching especially on. Especially for you, Graham, I think. I appreciate it. Yeah. So a short length of 120 film cut from a roll, which I had to do while shut in a cupboard, as that was the only place I thought might be completely dark. I soon discovered after a few minutes that there was a little light creeping in around the edge of the door. But I pressed on regardless, hoping at worst I might just fog the film a little. I got the film cut and held in place inside the camera with a few blobs of blue tack, closed it up and took it outside. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, here, right? it sounds flawless. It really does. Once the camera was set up, I started the clock running. The clock mechanism should rotate the internal barrel 30 degrees every hour. However, it soon became clear this wasn't working. So reluctantly, I took it apart to find the film strip had folded over on itself and blue-tacked itself (laughs) to the internal (laughs) barrel, stopping it from moving. Oh no, foiled by (laughs) blue-tack. One attempt down and one strip of film in the bin. Um, A week later, I had another go, and this time being more careful to cut light from entering the cupboard whilst loading the film and trying to keep the blue tack where it's supposed to be, I got a second piece of film secured in place. I set the camera up outside again, timed to hopefully catch the last few hours of daylight and the first hour of night time. This time, everything appeared to be working. So after four hours, full of anticipation, I took the camera back into the cupboard to transfer the film to a Patterson tank to develop and see what I'd got. I wasn't expecting a masterpiece. I didn't even think that I'd have great exposure across the negative as time and light changed. But I was nevertheless disappointed when I took the developed piece of film out of the tank to discover it was completely blank. No! There is no evidence of any image at all, and I can't even tell if it's completely overexposed or completely underexposed. My guess is it's overexposed. But if that is the case, I don't know if it's happened whilst I was loading unloading. Um, it would, uh, as in little light around the edges of a cupboard door, be enough to expose the film. Or if light has crept into the camera somehow during the four-hour exposure, exposing the whole film. At this point, I'm not sure if I'm going to make a third attempt. With so little information to work with, I don't really know what I can do to try and achieve a better exposure. Or an exposure. It's probable the camera just isn't suitable for capturing an image. Nevertheless, I don't think it's been a complete waste of time. I've had fun and I've learned a bit about pinhole photography and that's something I'm keen to explore more of in the future. I think there is scope to turn the pillbox camera into a more conventional static pinhole camera, which I might have a go at in the new year. Thanks for the great show and for inspiring me to give this a go. And apologies for the rather lengthy email. In place of my completed submission for the day to night challenge, I've attached a few photos of the final camera in place doing its thing. Or not, as it turned out to be. <laughs> Cheers and keep up the good work from Paul. So he's at Paul Farrell 1981. Ah, oh, so I'm going to have a little look. Well, I am, I am sorry to hear that it hasn't worked out, Paul, despite your very creative efforts. Um, and I can understand, absolutely, I'm sure we can all understand that level of disappointment that you're thinking, oh, there should be something on there and now I just can't, I don't even know which way to go from here because it's just not giving you any information at all. So um, I do understand that disappointment and uh, perhaps a break from the project and come back afresh with some new uh, new ideas and like you say, maybe turn it into a static pinhole camera is a good way of finding yourself a baseline, you know, and then maybe look at the rotating and mechanisms and blue tack dramas after that <laughs> yeah 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 um no i mean it's wonderful the design idea i think is fantastic and it's it pours pictures of the finished work great um of the finished masterpiece of i mean at the very least it's a masterpiece of a camera um look at this. i is do it in the day to night folder uh, no they're just in the show notes folder <laughs> oh, sorry. Easiest, but that's right um my suspicion is that because it obviously we don't know what film um, Paul was using because I don't think he mentioned it other than that it's one two zero film, um, but we can probably expect that it's going to be at its slowest. It's likely to be a um, hundred ISO film, and a four hour exposure um, is quite a long time. And also, it's definitely enough time for if there is anywhere for light to creep in, it will find it in that time. Um, and you know who knows if it's a bright sunny day, 
that cardboard can, yeah. might not be as, as um, completely I mean, it's light thick, It looks like thick, thick cardboard. Yeah, it does. But as you say, you know, you, you can just never be quite sure. And actually, in the in the um, um, photos I'm just looking at now, it looks beautiful. Like this is a really cool piece of like uh, as a camera, as a hat box or whatever. It's <laughs> yes. great. I love it. It's so oh good. Oh my Kate god, tin. that's what he needs to do. He yeah. needs to find some way of making it function, then function whilst wearing it as a hat. Oh. As a hat? Oh my god, amazing. Um, Pin uh, hat photography. Y- you can see that actually the light, whilst it's out, it's a really bright like autumn autumn um, winter day, isn't it? Yeah. Loads of gorgeous sunbeams and things. Um, <laughs> that's not me talking about us. Um, <laughs> but that you can see that all of that light is, uh, yeah, it looks gorgeous day. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and could... I'm looking at the design. And so Paul's yeah. got, so I'm guessing the small inner dark box is like the, the film goes between that and the outer mm. box, so that's mm. that's quite a small the the, the space between the two. So it's going to be a um, very small gap between the pinhole and the film, and um, yeah, it, it, I think it could very easily be either just overexposed from the pinhole, full stop. But also, if the um, outer box isn't lined on the inside, which it might be, we can't see from these pictures. Um, but if the outer box isn't lined on the inside with black paper, then that may be letting light through even though it's thick cardboard it's kind of surprising <laughs> what can squeeze through um mm-hmm. those darned photons they'll find a way um, <laughs> but still a very good job um and yeah. I, I hope you persuade. i know that um i saw uh dave walker commenting on this and i think he was suggesting it might be worth trying it with paper um which is obviously a much lower iso mm-hmm. um so you can get away with more and also it's a bit easier and more forgiving loading it up as well so that mm-hmm. might be worth looking into um but good work very good work yeah. there paul yeah, absolutely never let... brilliant effort and and yeah i mean i'm i'm just really glad to hear like he said you know that he's uh he still had fun right that is yeah, the, the important part is yeah. is a lot of fun um got a quick one here from ed worthington the six million p man who writes in hey sunbeams i've got to be honest it's been a few weeks since i've had time to listen to a backing paper episode for shame ed <gasps> so imagine my surprise to hear my name mentioned on this week's last week's episode the tweet about alternative creative things people in the shoot film be nice community blew up a little more than i expected it was great to see how many different things people are doing other than photography some were very niche or niche as the americans would say Uh, i'm talking model planes with alternative painting and fictional backstories oh man i missed that (laughs) i that sounds amazing I'm, i'm assuming all of those things are one person the fact that they've got a model plane with a fictional backstory is breathtakingly wonderful i need to know who that is um, but it mainly showed just how talented people can be. Anyway, keep up the good work. And I want those false teeth from my emulsive secret Santa. Uh, thank you very much, Ed. Always lovely to hear from you. Um, we mentioned uh, Dave Walker. Do you want to take this next one from Dave Walker, uh, Rach? We did. Uh, so Dave's written in to say, Hello, Sunbeams. I know it's hardly the weather for it, but I remembered you talking about trying to make cyanotype images in a camera a few months ago. Well, today I stumbled across a how-to guide for doing just that. The trick, it seems, is to use thin lenses like a Fresnel, pronounced Fresnel, apparently, uh, sheet lenses or a magnifying glass. It looks like a fun project for the summer in any case. That's awesome. So Dave's given us a link here to makezine.com and then um, one of the projects is cardboard cyanotype camera. That sounds awesome. I haven't actually had a chance to look at it. Have you yet, Graham? Uh, only the um, picture on the front. So I, uh, I want to see if there's actually got any pictures of the results. Yep, yep. They're, they're not bad, actually. Um, so I looked into this. I actually, I think it's somewhere in the van because I never got any further than buying one. <laughs> so I did buy a, just a cheap plastic um, magnifying glass in the summer for kind of exactly this reason I thought, okay i'm gonna have a going at doing this with a magnifying glass um because the basic design that that um is you know it's, it's so simple it is a cardboard box with a really big um rectangular magnifying glass i guess i don't know what it would have been used for maybe it says what that uh it just says a large magnifying glass or fresnel lens um i think people did used to use those over like cookery books or something you know gotcha. um for um, people with impaired vision, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I'm definitely looking to get into... The only thing that I think you have to be a bit careful with, with these things, um, is if you've got a magnifying glass out <laughs> on a sunny day Don't with some paper everything. behind it. Yeah, you absolutely can do this. You can yeah. burn stuff. Um, I've seen people who, not with magnifying glasses, just with ordinary lensed cameras who have been doing stuff similar to what Toby was doing of um, mm. using cameras. And you can absolutely set the paper inside on fire um, because it's a you know it's a magnifying glass yeah um so magnifying glass and it's a piece of paper that has chemistry on it yeah still very cool (laughs) and um yeah yeah. as as you said makezine.com and look for cardboard cyanotype camera it's definitely it looks like a fun project to have a go at um but actually getting hold of a cheap big magnifying glass less easy than you would think um in my (laughs) experience um yeah worth a rummage round maybe at the car boot sale and just make sure you've got the fire extinguisher handy Yes, absolutely. Um, got a qu- another quick one here from Joe Baker. So Joe Baker, who, as listeners with a long memory <laughs> may remember, was the winner of the <laughs> last round of the Cheap Shots <laughs> Challenge. Yeah. Um, and after a mere five months, like a bullet, he finally got his prize this week. <laughs> I saw that he'd post. Have you seen what he's got with it? I did. He bought, what was he bought? He bought one of the Harman um, disposable cameras. Uh, no, not the harm disposable, the reusable. That's the what I meant. Yeah. Apologies, yes, reusable. That's exactly what I meant. Single, yeah. uh, not single use, like single use. <laughs> Multiple use. Oh, bloody hell. It's been a long day. It's been yeah. a long weekend. It's I'm been sorry. a long weekend. We know what you mean. Ooh. But yes, he bought himself one of the new harm and reusable plastic cameras. And it looks like fun. Looking forward to seeing the results he gets from that. Um, but anyway, so it's I got a, a clicky wheel. <laughs> Sorry, he was like, I love a clicky wheel. And it has got a clicky wheel. I, oh, I thought I had a camera with a clicky wheel on my desk, but I don't. Um, I've got one. That, yeah, never mind. Um, anyway, I got chatting to Joe and he was telling me, because I'm a bit behind uh, on my Lensless podcast, and Joe is actually working with the Lensless podcast um, to put together Fantastic. an exhibition. So he's he, he wrote back, because I asked him for a bit some details on this. So he's organising a pinhole photography exhibition for February next year. It will be at the Mustard Coffee Bar in Norwich. Uh, all people need to do is send uh, Joe an 8x10 print of a pinhole photograph and he will frame it for the show. Uh, so people should message Joe for further details. He is on uh, Twitter and Instagram as at evil underscore chutney and his email address is evilchutney at gmail.com um, he would like to have the prints before Christmas so he has time to get them framed and so far he has received prints from Thailand and the Netherlands and there are some on the way from the US and Canada so that sounds super cool um, I'm hoping to get something to although I need to make because I don't think I've got anything 8 by 10 um, so I need to get on that I might have to make an 8 have by 10 have you got something camera. that you could print in the middle of a 8 by 10 Piece of paper? <laughs> yeah, probably. I could figure something out. I could figure uh, something out. 10 by awesome. 8. Whichever. Yeah. <laughs> 10 by, yeah. Well, whichever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, really cool. So if you're doing some pinhole work and would like to get involved with that, just message Joe at evil underscore chutney and get some more details. Um, Rach, do you want to take this <laughs> next one from Christian Strauff entitled Aww, yeah. Show 177 Tony and missing gift ideas. <laughs> it sounds like we're covering quite a lot then. Mm. Excellent. Lovely to hear from you, Christian. Uh, it's been a little while, actually. He says, Dear Sonnies, after catching up with a little bit of podcast backlog, I'm back on track and I really must write to say, um, write to you to say that episode 177 with Mike Crawford is absolutely fantastic. And that's despite the fact that the second voice of reason of the show, Rachel, wasn't there. <laughs> I'll leave it to an educated listener guess. Um, to work out who the second voice of reason is. It's me, clearly. (laughs) Um, He says, The obsolete and discontinued project is fabulous and it's a perfect example of the power of of collaboration. Congratulations to Mike for successfully publishing and exhibiting this gem of a project. That's awesome. I was very sad to have missed that um, conversation, but um, the book's amazing and it was lovely to hear you guys talking about it. Um, so I'm glad to hear that Christian's enjoyed it too. He says, I also really liked Back in Paper episode 51, especially hearing from Tony, my fellow film waster. Great work building your own camera, mate. The film shooter community has so many wonderful people and I still have really fond memories of the joint film wasters slash Sunny 16 photo walk in London. My brain is already starting to look for ways um, to repeat this fabulous event next year. 
Show 178 also was very inspiring. However, I really missed one item that I find absolutely essential for a film photographer. Ooh, it's exciting. So this is going to be adding to the list of um, Christmas present ideas. It says, from experience, I can say that most film shooters have trouble not accumulating a significant amount of cameras. Or in other words, I hardly know any film shooter who doesn't suffer from gas uh, which we all know doesn't stand for Graham's audio shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> I had lots of trouble with properly storing um, my, these cameras with straps. Ah, that's a good point. So I got a Peak Design slide light strap, which is brilliant. Note, I have no affiliation with them. I just find their product really useful. He says, whilst it's not the cheapest strap available, it's of excellent quality and it has a special anchor system so that you can easily detach it from one camera and attach it to another. Say you have five or six cameras, this strap is cheaper than the sum of five or six cheap and ugly straps, and the cameras are easy to, easier to store with the little anchors in contrast to storing them with a strap attached. Furthermore, I have to second Aid's bit about the worth of a photo book. The joy of looking at and reading a photo book is really underestimated by many people until they try it themselves. I started buying photo books a while ago and never regretted a single purchase. I actually find it very natural for a film shooter to find joy in holding a photo book in one's hand. Isn't this experience one of the reasons why we shoot film? Enough with the philosophy. As always, thank you for the fantastic show. Keep up the good work. Bye from Germany. And that's uh, from Christian. Thank you so much, Christian, for your email. And uh, yeah, those... Um, thank you very much, uh, I, I don't have... Yeah, I don't have, obviously, the, um, the Peak Design straps and things, but um, I have seen... Uh, I have seen them used and they look brilliant. They look like they do a fantastic job. And as he says, you know, rather than buying five or six different uh, straps, then you've got the option to have just the one and, and add them. It's like this sort of like special locking system, isn't it? Interchangeable. Um, yeah. You kind of have these little anchors on your camera and then you can put it on, uh, put use the same strap on any of those cameras, basically. So, Rach, uh, I have to ask you, Ooh. how is your strap game in general? bad <laughs> um i usually just have the ones that come with the cameras so mm -hmm. uh, or you know uh if they're really old you know the leather sometimes is obviously given way and that kind of thing uh, i have been known to cut a strap off one uh, camera case and add it to another one you know mm -hmm. and just sort of hash it together i don't have any of these fancy you know pretty looking ones unfortunately um i know that you've got a couple of very nice looking straps for your cameras well, um <laughs> colorful uh, but that are quite if i remember rightly quite painful to actually use yes that i was just about to say so you are referring <laughs> uh to specifically i think to uh the photography show meetup last year where i had um yeah, I had my... Uh, You're still scarred from the experience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had... Was it the Jalubatil I had around my neck? I can't... I no, it wasn't remember. that. I had, I, had, I had a camera around my neck the whole day. Um, and it's it was a, a vintage retro strap. The colour was spectacular in its, you know, hideousness. Um, and it rubbed the back of my neck so red for my other day. It was it really was unpleasant. Um I tend to use the, my harness actually um, for if I need to have a couple of camera bodies uh, or three camera bodies, then I can attach them to my harness. But um, in terms of taking out a single camera, then yeah, um, obviously having its own strap is really useful. Yeah, I might look into these. It seems like a sensible idea, and um, mm -hmm. I'm terrible for not taking straps or taking bad straps with me and um I, you know <laughs> that's how cameras end up on the floor or that's how cameras die <laughs> that's how cameras die yes exactly um we have got another quick one here uh titled the sunny 16 jury service which Ooh, is potentially ominous but it's fine don't worry this is okay. from dale willits uh you can probably already guess why dale's written um ah. well, rachel can uh, i guess greeting sunbeams this isn't going to be a long message the end no, wait, there's more. Uh, in fact, it's just a quick one to let you know what an excellent job I thought you did judging the portrait section of the Holger <laughs> Week competition. Top-notch judging, in my humble opinion. Keep it up. Bye for now from Dale Willits, who is at delusions underscore of underscore competence. P.S. The check's in the mail, Graham. P.P.S. <laughs> don't read out this or the P.S. P.P.P.S. You read them out, didn't you, silly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
I suspect the reason that Dale is writing in is because um, between the three of us, uh, his picture was selected as our choice for the winner of the portraits um, in the whole week competition, wasn't it, Rach? It was, that's right. So all three of us um, were asked to pick three uh, our three favourite images from uh, the selection that were in the um, portrait category. And uh, between the three of us, all of us, uh, I assume, I'm pretty sure, all three of us picked out um, Dale's. So um, by process of that, it meant that that became our, our favourite image. And it was very cool, really. Yeah. Do you want to tell people about it? Yeah, no, it was, yes. So, um, so yeah, because we got asked this a while ago and uh, I, I'm bad at letting everybody know what's going on with this. So um, we organised this at the last minute and, and as Rachel said, I, I, I thought the fairest way to do it was we each picked our first, second and third favourites from the, the uh, entries um, and there were a really great selection of entries there. Some some more portrait than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, once we looked at the first, second and third, um, th- there was, yeah, th- th- uh, I'm going to... Dale's wasn't the number one pick for everybody. Um, I'm not going to say who picked what, but it was the number two pick for the person it wasn't the number one pick for. So, um, uh, But there were just a really good selection of shots on there, really good selection of shots. And um, the competition was very stiff. And uh, Dale's portrait is just a great candid portrait um of uh a, it looks like a delivery droid live a fairly toothless chap just leaning out pointing his finger right into the camera and giving a big toothy grin uh to death an elderly gentleman a face full of character yeah. and it's a really great portrait uh just full stop and yeah. but it's a great also, moment isn't it, it it's a great moment yeah. and and i think what um what we really loved about it was it also it captures it captures the spirit of the Holger in that kind of mm-hmm. the fun on the go thing. Um, cause I know, yeah. And the yeah, lo-fi feel The lo-fi, well. yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it is a great shot. And I said there were there were many others in there that we really liked. It was not it was not an easy choice for me. At least it was not an easy nope. choice. No, um, there were there were several in there. Went, oh, this, it took some time and thought, but um, nonetheless, congratulations to that. and to everybody yes. else who um, did so well. I looked at the entries in the other categories as well, and there were some just amazing shots this this year round. So, um, well done, everybody who took part in that. I uh, was really impressed with the standard of the work. Really awesome. Okay, right. Uh, here, yes. Yeah. Um, do you want to take this last uh, email, Rach, from Richard Hall? I shall. Rich has written in to say, Dear Sunbeams, you go from strength to strength. Oh, that's nice. I've been enjoying the show for a good while now, but recent episodes have just kept raising the bar. Thanks for all your hard work. I found your answer to my question about scanning really helpful, and the conversation on last week's backing paper was even more grist to the mill. I think I'll be getting a flatbed when I've gathered sufficient funds and cleared a space to accommodate one. In the meantime, I'll be continuing with my cobbled together arrangement. At least it was cheap to set up. I'd like to support the idea of a zine category in the sunnies. I've got no idea how you go about judging something that broad, but there have been lots of great zines during this year and it would be good to hear you talking about some of them. It was fascinating to learn about the work of Sean Tucker on Thursday's show. I've been interested in photography as an expression of spirituality for some time and I'm glad to find another angle. He's got some fabulous work on his website and as soon as I have the time, I'll be having a proper look at his YouTube channel. Finally, I thought you might be interested in the results of an experiment I've done with Ilford's XP2 this week, using different ISO settings on the same roll, and then stand developing in Rodnell. I've done this before with colour film. You might remember I wrote to you about it, and wondered how it would go with a film designed for black and white. It turns out that you can run the ISO all the way from 25 to 1600 on the same roll of film and get acceptable results. That's fantastic. Or at least acceptable to me. <laughs> 3200 doesn't work so well, but you can't have everything. You can see what I'm talking about on my Lomography home if you're interested. So if you go to lomography.com forward slash homes forward slash Richard Hall, then I'm sure you will find it under his his Lomography home. I think I've rabbited on long enough. Thanks again for all you do. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you very yeah. much, Richard. I will yeah, definitely have to have cool. a little look at that. And and as you say, that's really cool. I mean, what an awesome range from ISO 25 all the way to 1600 on the same roll and get acceptable results. 
It's great. It's, uh, it reminds me, I know I've mentioned this in the past, but um, when my uh, my good friend Dave off of the forums came around once and he was taking pictures, I can't remember what film, I think he was using T-Max mm. or something like this, and he I was just you. changing the ISO on yeah. the camera to make him take the shots. <laughs> and I was like, you know you're not shooting digital, like, oh, it'll be fine, I'll just stand, develop it and run <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's great like so who needs people talk about the flexibility of digital no just treat film the same way and stand a little bit and Rodnell, it'll be fine um uh we have following on actually from some of the things in um richard's email uh, regarding scanning we have actually got an audio follow-up on that which i'll put on the end of the show from john michael mendeza talking about his experiences with digitizing film so thank you very much john michael mendeza for sending that in that will be at the end of the show after music so please do stay tuned for that um and i think the I think the zines is a sunny 16 category i think that's going to have to happen isn't it rach mm-hmm. i think so and um and obviously, um, as we were talking about, it would just be nice to um, find out a little bit more about what people have been looking at, what people have been reading and enjoying this year. And I'm sure it will hopefully lead us all to uh, a few new names and things. So that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. And as he says, no, no idea about how we'd judge it. <laughs> But, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe judging maybe judging them won't be the thing, but we'll give people a chance to to nominate their choices, nominate, and we'll <laughs> we'll do some adding. <laughs> That'll be how we'll deal with that. <laughs> Speaking of zines, um, the mm. mailbag's been in this week, um, and I have got in front of me three rather fabulous zines. So um, uh, let's so this first one, new uh, zines. This, this one came in. Um, new zines, new zines. And this this first one has got quite a good long letter with it. Um, but first, let's talk about the zine. Okay. So this zine is by um, from Karen Freer. Uh, and the zine is called Filling the Time with Roller Derby, Issue 1. Can you guess what the subject of the Ooh. zine is? I'm going to guess cooking. <laughs> close, so close. It's roller derby. Um, roller derby. It's great. That's it's, awesome. It's a lovely little zine. I, I love the, just the picture on the front cover. I think really captures a lot of the essence. It's just this nice, quite grainy, sort of nice lo-fi feeling image of a skater and the perfect panning shot, background all blurred out. Um, so I'll read the bit of the front because it's just it sums up what it is. Uh, all photos were taken during the Chartist Cup in August 2019. Uh, uh, I would like to thank the Riot City Ravens for organising the tournament and Paul Jones for allowing me to be part of his official photography team. Um, so I think a lot of the film, a lot of the shots were taken on the same camera. Um, most of them seem to have been taken on a Pentax Z1P with Fujifilm 1600, hence nice grainy colour. And I think the other one, which I've seen pop up, because I know there's been a couple of cameras used in this, I think. Oh, there's some nice Yodica, lovely Yodica colours for this as well in here. Um, I can't see if there was that. I thought it was, but no, maybe it's all in the Pentax, Pentax Z1. Anyway, it's just, it's a lovely sort of single subject zine that really captures the energy and the um, feeling of the roller derby. I said the images are all really nice and lo-fi. Um, because Can as- I ask, who's, whose perspective is it from? Is it from somebody who's actually, is it like from Karen's perspective as somebody competing in the roller derby or is it uh, as a spectator or or how, how's it has it been shot um so it's a mixture of shots so some of the okay. shots are, are um you know, obviously very much ringside so nice and close to the mm-hmm. action lots of motion and movement in it um some really nice gritty black and white ones on roly 400 lovely dark colors mm-hmm. um and then some good um sort of scene setting images of the the i don't know whether they're called judges probably not but the people watching over and like i said using the fantastic yodica film it uh lots of pictures of the teams and also a great so i'm going to read some of the names of the team so you've got um the rebellion uprising that's a good name uh riot city ravens nottingham hellfire harlots i mean they're just tiger bay brawlers this is just i i love this so much um north wales roller derby they need to work on that that needs more work but yeah i just i just love the pictures in this because there's just so much movement and energy um uh, yeah, great little zine, fantastic, and I'm glad that this is the first one because it indicates oh, Tiger Bay Brawlers B bombs. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, do for, so for more of Karen's roller derby photos. Visit her Instagram page at Filling the Time. Um, 
awesome little zine. And if you're into roller roller derby or just into really cool, you know, cool photos of niche sports, then it's definitely worth checking out. Brilliant stuff, Karen. And Karen has written in a letter, paper letter, which I will now read. Apologies if I do it um, badly. Uh, Hello, Sonnies. I am finally writing into the show. I would like to continue the conversation about digitising workflows. When I started thinking about doing my own scanning, I wanted to see if I could do it with the equipment I already owned, which is a Nikon D3200, a Lightbox, MacBook, which is my work computer, uh, Photoshop, uh, Lightroom, um, uh, that's a, I buy a 20 gigabyte photography license. So this is the subscription one, right, Rach? Uh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. When I started digitizing with these, I found that the scans were very low quality. After doing a bit of research, I discovered I needed a macro lens and a better light box. The light box I was using was one of those battery powered things that you put customized words into. Oh, I picked up one of those the other week thinking I could use it for digitizing. I may have been wrong. Um, Macro lenses tend to be expensive, so I got myself an adapter that you put onto the camera before putting on the lens. Combined with an actual light box, this has much better results. The cost for both of these things was around £50. This method comes with some annoyances. 1. I have to photograph each frame at a time. 2. I have to use pieces of cardboard to try and keep the negatives flat. 3. Dust gathers quite easily. Once I've photographed all frames, I then put the memory card into the computer. I copy the files onto an SSD so they can read write faster, and then pull them into Photoshop. This automatically brings up camera raw, which is why I invert the scans and resize them. I then open them in Photoshop, and one by one I adjust the RGB channel separately. This is painful, and takes a while. There must (laughs) be a way to automate this. Once this is done, I usually look at the images and think, I don't look how I think they should look. <laughs> I save them as TIFFs and then take them into Lightroom Classic. Once in Lightroom, I do some final tweaks, either until I give up or I'm reasonably happy with the results. I then export a couple of different JPEG versions, some for my website, some lower res ones for social media. This entire process is more painful than the description here that I have handwritten. I now have hand cramp. That's quite painful. <laughs> Should I fob this off and buy a scanner? Is the process after scanning any different? Does the scanning software do the inverting and RGP channel corrections? Thanks from Karen. Also, here is a copy of my zine. I am going to be on the All Through a Lens podcast talking about it. Uh, Please let me know what you think of the zine. It's my first one and I have already seen loads of things in it I would do different next time. Well, I haven't, Karen. I think it's fabulous. uh, I think Karen's going to be on, on the All Through a Lens podcast, which is a podcast you should all be listening to because it's great. Eric and Vanya are fantastic. And it's a really entertaining show. And if Karen's going to be on there, all the more reason to check it out. Um, How exciting. So yeah. this digitising workflow, Rich, I mean... Oh, gosh, don't ask me. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I have no advice on this. I'm really sorry. It's I've always found it very difficult um, myself to, uh, uh, to do that. The one uh, thing I would say is that um by using a scanner there are steps within like you, you it does invert the negatives for you and yes. it does do the it does do the rgb channel for you as well you, you might still want to tweak it to your tastes but you can scan things look at them and go yeah that's okay and go for that so mm. it mm. does remove steps i my workflow is definitely a lot less hassle than that i generally scan lightroom done <laughs> yeah same same so yeah, it it does make life easier. Um, so yes, might be worth looking into that for sure. Um, and but a good idea about using the um, what are they called the uh, the um, uh, macro tubes that you put on um, the screw on macro Ooh. tubes or whatever, so that you can use it with an ordinary lens, which makes it into a macro lens. They're just called macro tubes, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. I'm really sorry. This is that's all right. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you'd know. know them if you saw. I'm sure you've probably got dozens of them. I think <laughs> the kind of thing that anyone who's got cameras, you've got loads of these old tubes hanging on. But um, anyway, fantastic stuff. So that was the first one. And okay, that's awesome to hear about the zine, Karen. I'm really excited to see that because I presume you'll be able to bring that with you when we meet up. Well, you're coming to me, so I'll be able to bring it to oh, my am. house. <laughs> I'll let oh, crap, you look yes, at it. I forgot. 
Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, this next one is from repeat offender Carl Bailey. So we had an email from um, uh, a zine from Carl earlier in the year called mm-hmm. uh, Let Me See I Can See From Here. All of a sudden, I miss everything, which was lovely. Lots of pictures from back home. Now he's over in Australia. This one is... And I love um, that title as well. I remember yeah. how much I loved the title of that zine. That's Yeah, it was just something quite melancholy about it. Yeah. This is... Uh, more of the same wonderful stuff from Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, again, more lovely, beautiful. Co- I love the way Carl uses colours in his pictures. Um, and I know he did tell me where it is that he was primarily shooting this stuff. I think it was Portsmouth, but I could be completely wrong. But lots of um, pictures. I'm going to see actually if it does say in the. Here we go. Because there's always a bit at the beginning. Oh, I nailed it with Portsmouth as well. Get me. Um, 3rd of August, 2019, London Heathrow Airport. 14 hours of hell in the window seat, sat next to two strangers who got up once the whole flight and spent the rest of the time asleep. They sound wonderful. Leaving China so quickly was never on the cards, but we weren't left with much choice. I was thrown back into a very unfamiliar, yet familiar way of life in Portsmouth. Little had changed... Um, but I came back with a fresh perspective and no job, which meant I spent most of my time enjoying the end of summer with my camera. This scene is the product of those two months. Well, there you go. I didn't even know Carl was back in the UK. I'm glad to have you back, Carl. Um, And yeah, those two months were definitely not wasted. Again, I can't wait to show you this, Rach. Mm. Um, These pictures are beautiful, and I I love the scenes. I think Carl does. Are these been shot back in the UK then, or in yes. China? No, right, these are in okay. the UK, um, okay. and yeah, taken in Portsmouth. Lots of yeah. scenes. It was sort of very traditional um, British seaside town scenes. So sort of, I uh, fish and chip shops, ice cream mm. vans, fairground <laughs> rides, um, but really fantastic pictures. I said I love the colour. Uh, I love the shots. It, it's anybody who's interested in this stuff. Um, I. Carl Bailey does, and I'm hoping he has his website on here because I'm never going to remember it off the top of my head. I will find it and put it in the show notes. And if I don't, um, email me and remind me because Carl doesn't put <laughs> any details on his zine. Um, but it is a lovely zine. The picture on the front cover alone is a, a real cracker of a merry-go-round with a um, one of those big wheel things in the background. And it's just lovely. And it's a beautifully produced scene. Um, really great stuff, Carl. So that's another one for you to look forward to seeing, Rach. Mm, um, can't wait. You've got both the cars you to look forward to because you haven't seen the old one yet. I just haul no. all these things, listeners. It's I, great. I know. <laughs> like, I sit here like Smaug on a pile of zines. It's great. <laughs> My um, precious. <laughs> uh, we, we mentioned earlier about, um, or rather, I think Richard or, or, or um, Christian, anyway, somebody mentioned earlier about collaborative work. And this mm-hmm. third and Christian. final zine yeah. um, is a piece of collaborative work. Uh, so this is a piece of a zine put together by Ian Nutt or Barnaby, Ian Barnaby Nutt, who is a good friend of the show, who we will have on very soon, I hope. We, uh, he went away last time we were supposed to. Shame on you you for having a life. Um, And this is the Kodak 2238 project. Um, Now, Ian has sent me a a letter with this. Uh, It's typed, hand-typed letter, which I'll read to you. Beautiful. It is beautiful, yeah. Um, So This is like Andrew Bartram. He he types his, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Mm. Uh, Okay. Hey, folks. Find enclosed a copy of the 2238 Project Zine. It's the result of a project that you might have heard about. A guy in LA called Michael Bartosek bought a bulk rule, re-spooled it into 36 exposure lengths, and mailed it to 30-something photographers around the world. A few things to clarify. First off, the, the bulk rule of him is this 22, it's Kodak 2238. The second thing to clarify is when he says he mailed it to 30-something photographers, I think he means like about 30 photographers, not photographers in their 30s. Um, it's important to nail that. Um <laughs> It's an ISO 6 to 25 film that's not often used for stills photography, instead being a duplication film used for archiving movies. People shot it and shared their experiences in a Facebook group, along with advice on how to process it, as no online help was available. When the shooting was done, I collected two pictures from each shooter and gathered them into this scene. You'll see a few of your regular correspondents have contributed to what was a really fun project to be part of. Anyway, I hope that you like it and that it also serves as a gentle reminder that if you do ever fancy producing a Sunny 16 podcast publication, 
I'd still be delighted to get involved. <laughs> All the best from Ian Barnaby Nutt. And there is a PS. Still hoping to hear about the idea that you floated a few months ago, offering your listeners the opportunity to have a voice via your show. I've really enjoyed getting involved with the Viewfinder Viking podcast. Despite not having a great deal to say, that's not true, Ian. I've heard you. Mm, you have plenty to say. Yeah, I was like, mm, beg to disagree. <laughs> there are so many people out there doing interesting work, and any way to give them a platform to talk about their stuff will help spread this creativity to others. Yes, this is very much still... Uh, I'm not yeah. going to say quite a work in progress as yet, because it's like a, I've just put that to one side whilst I'm dealing with other things, but it's still a thing we're going to do. This has not gone yes. away or been yes. forgotten about. It's just waiting for the, my our full brains to be turned on to it. Um, but really looking forward to it. So anyway, the zine. Um, so Barnaby's been making zines for quite a while now, and mm. they get He's always better. been very generous, hasn't he, about his uh, his time and his energy in terms of saying he'll always help you know people to put them together. Um, yeah. And he, he has said that to us on numerous previous occasions and so far in a similar in a similar fashion we just have not actually got round to the uh, putting you know <laughs> um putting the actual thing together and getting in touch uh, about doing that so we super appreciate the fact that the offer is there though we really yeah do. so anyway the 2238 project zine um this this is one of those zines which I don't think really do, it, it's not a zine. <laughs> this is a small photo book. It is a, it's a beautifully produced um, book. It's yellow and black, great Kodak colours. Um, it just looks fantastic. The font work on the front looks great. The pictures are wonderful. The work that people have done with this super low ISO film, um, incidentally, for Michael Bartosek, is one of the hosts of uh, a podcast, which you'll be unsurprised to hear is called the Ultra Low ISO Podcast. <laughs> I think that's right. Is that right? Ultra Low ISO? Um, ultra, it might be the Ultra Low ISO Film Podcast anyway. You'll find them. You search for Ultra Low ISO, you'll find them. So you can hear more about this stuff for them. Um, but the pictures are spectacular people have done absolutely amazing work with this film um of all sorts there's great portrait work there's great abstract work there's spectacular landscapes um obviously people making the most of the fact that you can shoot real shallow depths of field even in bright sunlight uh just a, a beautiful collection of work the fact that they managed to, so many people managed to get wonderful images out of this paper i'm gonna actually so on the back of it it lists everybody who got involved with this. So let's, I'll, I'll run down because it's not a long list. So the people who contributed to this include um, August Kelm, Betsy Carl, Bill Thu, who we, we know and love, mm, uh, Cesar Torres, Clinton Osmus, David Lane, uh, Dustin Cogsdale, who's a host of... Uh, actually, we've got Dustin Cogsdale and Edward, Ed, <laughs> Edward Conde, um, both of whom are hosts of the Grainy Days podcast. Um, Eric O'Hara, Gavin Nugent, George Griffin, uh, George, who is the host. There's a lot of podcasts. Who is the host of uh, the On the Streets podcast, and and recently did a, a um, audio piece for us. Uh, Ian Christie, Jason Konopinski, Jess Lands, John Farnham, Junior Wyatt, Kevin Mitchell, Kevin Camp, Matt Jones of Thailand, and terrible uh, haikus. <laughs> Never left again. <laughs> uh, Mihailo Bradash. Apologies if I've got that horrible wrong. Somebody, Mike Gutterman, I don't know what Mike Gutterman was from, <laughs> um, something. Um, Nancy Mueller, Nelson Mullis, and Ted Smith. And of course, Barnaby Nutt and Michael Bartosek. This is a great zine. Um, I'm looking for contact details for where to go if you want to get hold of this. Um, well, check out, contact um, Ian Barnaby Nutt. You'll find him on Instagram and Twitter. Um, seek him out. This is a really lovely photo book. Um, I don't think there are very many copies. This one is numbered 26 of 50 of the first edition. Um, it's a really worthwhile thing having. Uh, it's one of those books you you flick through and go, well, everybody is going to love something in this book. It's just some really beautiful black and white photography. Congratulations to everybody who took part in this. The work is just stunning, and I cannot wait to show you this, Rachel, when you come over, because you're really going, excited you're going to, to love it. it. Yeah, to, it sounds ace. I think we're going to spend quite a lot of the day when you guys are over looking at... Zine parties. Zines, zines and prints, <laughs> because also when you're over. Um, of course, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to say this is the last week now. Anybody who wants to um, enter for the um, print 
the paper competition to win the box of Ilford paper. This is the last week for doing that now because we need to draw a line underneath that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been sent some spectacularly beautiful pictures um, from a range of people. They are the work is just stunning. A lovely cross section. Um, so when you and Ada downrange, I think what we will do is we will take the time when you're when we're all together to look at these and we'll record something then talking about mm-hmm. it. And we'll sort of win it then. So that will be the middle of December when we do that. Um, okay. That but we will awesome. uh, draw. Because I don't want to be here talking about pictures that nobody else can see. Um, yeah. They're really Let's lovely. Let's all but... do that together. <laughs> so exactly. the three of us can talk about pictures nobody else can see. <laughs> yeah. Between the three of us, we can definitely paint a picture, uh, a mind picture. A mind um, picture. We sound like Sherlock Holmes now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got my mind palace. Well, I say palace. Yeah. It's more of a bungalow. <laughs> my mind bungalow. <laughs> Spare uh, bedroom. Yes, exactly. It's it's yeah. Well, it is what it is. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, to Karen and Ian and Carl for those. They are beautiful. Just the quality of just general publications, individually published publications, mm. since we started doing this, has gone up. Mm. It, it seems mm. like an arm race. Everybody is making better and better quality work. It's it's kind of spectacular. And the, the stuff that I've got. Everything that I've received this year from and quite a few things have been from people who have made stuff in the past. Mm. Everybody's stuff is getting better. Um, um, well I done. presume we're talking about the um, the content as uh, mostly here, but I was just wondering: is there also um, any indication of who has actually um, printed it? Who's been the printers behind it? Because obviously, how how Azim feels also has a big uh, impact on your enjoyment of it as well. You know whether the the artist is happy with how it's come across and that kind of thing too. Um, are there any details about who has actually printed them? Uh, Just wondered nope. if there was any recommendations. No? Okay. No, nope, no. But, you know, we can be... So, um, well, there you go. Ian, Carl and Karen, please let us know respectively how you got your zines printed because I love all of them. The, the three of them are very different. They're all mm-hmm. clearly not from the same printer, um, but they're all beautiful and I would love to know mm-hmm. where they come from because it's great to be able to recommend to people um, how to do these. So... Wonderful stuff. Fabulous. That is a bumper bag oh, of stuff, isn't it, Rach? It really was. What a lovely, what a lovely week for emails and messages and zines and prints and oh my goodness, everything. I'm exhausted. Everything. everything. <laughs> it's been fab. Thank you so much. And always, as always, lovely to chat with you um, uh, as well. Is there anything else we need to mention before we come to wrapping up towards the end? I know what you're hoping for, Rach. Unfortunately, there is. There's coffee. Ah, well, it, it's always nice to thank our listeners for um, their lovely donations that they make. As you mentioned at the beginning, whether that's with time or love or effort or whatever it is, um, or also with cold hard cash um, <laughs> as part of our uh, coffee or Kofi um, coffers. <laughs> yeah, we've got a good system going on with coffee. You or I basically never ask for it because we feel too guilty about it. But we like thanking people. Aid's quite happy asking for it. It it, it works well, I think. It works really well. Um so yes, so we've got a few new donors that I want to say thank you for to this that's week. That's super exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the first one is Mike Rattel. I, I think I'm going to go with that pronunciation, who is um, at Mike Rattel. That's Mike and then R-A-T-E-L on Instagram uh, and www.mikerettle.com. He's a photographer. Also, he's involved in the lawnmower racing scene. So, uh, what? Wait, I know, what? right? Yeah, the lawnmower <laughs> racing scene. This is oh the thing. Um, Mike's got some great stuff on recent stuff on his Instagram feed. Um, he's got some lovely pinhole shots. There's a uh, zine oh, there, isn't there? Oh god, pinholes I, of lawnmowers. I don't know whether there's pinholes of lawnmowers and stuff, but he does a lot of work with plastic cameras as well. I don't know quite. I didn't get to the bottom of why, but he has pictures of like piles of Dianas and a pile of Holga. So I don't quite know Goodness. what's um, going on with that, but um, wow. You know, it, it's it's all good. So check out Mike Rettle. He's based over in Washington, D.C. Uh, and doing a lot of good stuff over there. A lot of interesting stuff. And as I said, also, he's involved in the lawnmower racing scene. So, you know, you know That's, you need to see that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you can't say that about everybody, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No. And um, <laughs> as a gardener, you know, obviously I have to be on board for the lawnmower racing scene. It's just it's in my job description. Are they- Sit on, push along. 
Mine is a push along. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't. It's not even self-propelled. Um, so I, you know, if, if I'm going to win that race, I'm going to have to run fast. <laughs> run very fast. Yeah. Um, but some of my clients do have uh, lawnmowers. I mean, I reckon if I could get all of my clients with ride-on lawnmowers together, we might be able to have a race in one um, field at one time. It's just, yeah. Yeah, that would be incredible. Okay. Well, we all know where we're going for our next photo walk meetup. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, the next person I want to say thank you to is a Rory Pryor. Uh, Rory is on Instagram at Light Priority uh, and he's got just a great selection of shots on there it's very much my kind of thing just a real smorgies board of images from his life and his surroundings and really lovely pictures um, he also has an Etsy store which is also if you look at, at uh, for him is under the name of Light Priority on Etsy and he's got some prints for sale there really lovely black and white prints um, beautiful stuff so we were talking last week about the idea of getting a print for christmas um, mm. check out rory's stuff they're really nice prints and they're not expensive either so if you want a nice bit of art for your wall mm-hmm. check out light priority on the etsy store um can't go wrong there that sounds uh, fantastic. I can see that there's a third new donor. Well, there, there was a, an, a non-donor, an anonymous donor, <laughs> to whom um, we all just say thank you very much, Jonathan. <laughs> anonymous Jonathan. <laughs> it is very much appreciated. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but that does, of course, leave us with our regular donors, uh, which we, which is your favourite bit of the show, really, isn't it, Rach? Thanking the regular donors. Absolutely. Let's <laughs> do it. Okay. Uh, we're oh, going to start just, with... Just so we know... Um, as it's we not you know, start with? falling on from last week, uh, <laughs> as you know, uh, continuing Christmas gift ideas for these people. So, oh, yes, um, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. okay. Shall I take it away? Take it away, Rachel. Richard Hall. Richard Hall would like a nice pair of winter gloves, partly to keep his fingies toasty warm, but mostly to hide his fingerprints in the admittedly unlikely event that this man of the cloth decides to go on a festive crime spree. (laughs) Malcolm Myers. Malcolm Myers would like one of those paintings that you see on the walls of old spooky houses where it feels like the eyes are following you everywhere in the room. Uh, He wants one. He's going to hang it in his window facing out uh, to deter sort of potential wrongdoers like Richard, for example. (laughs) David Allen. David is just beginning the process of renovating a dilapidated house. So he just really appreciates, you know, a few bricks, maybe if you've got any old paint left lying around, useful looking pipes, that kind of thing. He'd love that. Jeremy North. Uh, Jeremy, unsurprisingly, Jeremy would like peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind, except for people who mispronounce Acros. Uh, those people need to be dealt with. Now, um... <laughs> mispronounce it as what? Ectochrome? Well, uh, <laughs> see, this thing, I might be, I might be mispronouncing it. See, I say Fujiacros. Is that how you mm-hmm. say it, Rach? It is, but maybe that's your influence. I'm blaming you anyway. It's a good influence. Um, I mean, you could, you could call it Fujiacros. <laughs> oh, no, the Fuji there's not across. two S's, is there? Well, no. You, uh, I think Acros. Fuji Acros, I've heard. Okay. Um, Fuji Ak Ross. I say that sometimes when I see my brother, who's who's called Ross, and makes me say Ak. Um, anyway, all of those people, he's not he's near. No goodwill for them. Anyway, okay. continue. E N T. Ian would like one of those cats that can swim. I mean, technically all cats can swim, but most of them are not big fans of it. But there are cats that quite like swimming. Anyway, uh, he'd like it to keep him company when he does his weekly lengths, and also to act as an emergency flotation device if he gets in trouble. Can you imagine a little cap, a little swimming cap on a cat? That'd be very cute. It would be wonderful. I want to see this. Um, Jeff Greenstein. Jeff would like the opportunity to direct a gritty remake of the Super Mario Brothers film. Uh, he'd like uh, you know Dave Bautista and Jason Statham as Mario and Luigi, respectively, going on a sort of Taken-style rampage to rescue Princess Peach and beat Bowser, played by Vin Diesel, to a pulp with uh, their plumber's wrenches. <laughs> Um, Andy D. Andy would like a trumpet so that when this whole Brexit thing is finally sorted, he can blast out a spectacular fanfare. Uh, Andy can't currently play the trumpet at all, but he reckons that by the time this whole mess is sorted out, he'll probably be a virtuoso. (laughs) And finally, last but not least, we have Krista Brandt. Oh, just a quick one here for Krista. Krista has simple needs. He just like nine chickens and a wheel of cheese so he can play the traditional sport of chicken skittles. I used to play pub skittles. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, 
with chickens mm. or, and cheese? Oh, definitely with cheeses. Yep, yeah, baby bells. Yeah. That, that is, <laughs> American listeners might... Oh, yeah, I've just realised our American listeners will be a bit confused as what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, so you know what bowling is. So skittles, chicken skittles is basically like bowling, but instead of pins, <laughs> you use chickens, and instead of no, a ball, you, you roll a wheel of cheese. And it's it's a traditional British pub game um, <laughs> that goes on pretty much. Every, every British village, you play traditional chicken skittles. There's going to be some very confused pub landlords around Britain. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, you turn up and, and start doing that. Anyway, many thanks to all of our um, coffee, coffee, whatever donors. Um, it, as I mentioned, it's all super appreciated. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed all of your Christmas uh, facts. <laughs> gift ideas, Rach. Gift ideas. I'm so sorry. We... Yes. I don't know. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. You are the wind beneath our wings, as somebody once sang. Um, oh, that's a good way to end the show. I think it certainly is. I'm trying to think if there's anything we need to remember for this week. Um, we've already mentioned about that. that this is going to be the last week for the print competition. Yep. <sighs> right. You still um, there? Yep. It sounded like uh, you disappeared then. I was going to say, just a quick reminder to everybody who has signed up to Emulsive Secret Santa uh, to make sure that you start getting your presents wrapped mm-hmm. and into the post. It sounds like you already have yours there, ready to that's, go. That's mine, ready to go. It just needs some sweets and some crisps and maybe some biscuits adding to it. Um, mm. And then I will, <laughs> I'll be posting Jeff Cakes up on the journey around the world. The finest yum, yum, yum. of biscuits. Cakes. Well, hang on, I got it wrong there. Oh no! <laughs> Sandeep's got it in my brain. And I, mis- I misspoke. Um, yes, it mostly. We just lost a thousand listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're down to the negatives several now. Um, uh, yep, I think that's about it. Um, we've got uh, this week on the Sunny Sixteen podcast. We are being joined by one of our friends of the show, Ethan Moses. He's coming to talk to us about an upcoming project he's talking. Uh, he's got going on, and also we're going to use it as an opportunity to do our sort of annual week- weekly, yearly, <laughs> yearly is yearly. definitely often enough. Our annual yearly sort of look at how some Kickstarter stuff is doing and catch up because you know it's been. Some things have come out, some things have nearly come out, some things haven't quite come out yet, so it's just nice to have a bit of a catch-up and a stay at a play with that. So that's going to be out on Thursday this week. Cool. So see where the industry's at with making, creating, and all that kind of thing. Exactly. Lovely. Lovely stuff. Well, there we go. Do you want to thank our, uh, our esteemed um, musician? For oh, the, the music. Our wonderful musicians. The wonderful band Schnauzer, <laughs> our esteemed musicians, as Rachel quite rightly pointed out, <laughs> we hold them in very high esteem for letting us use their piece of music, Remortgaging the Nest of Hairs. Um, thank you so much to them for that. Find them on Bandcamp and enjoy them, and Spotify as well, um, and enjoy their music, as I do frequently. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and is there any last news from you this week, Graham, and what you've been up to? As I said, I would ask you before we finish the show. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, um, I guess there's nothing really else left to say except have a lovely week, everybody. Have a lovely week. On last week's backing paper, Richard asked about scanning negatives. While I'm no means an expert on the subject, I can speak about my experience and how I got to a solution that I'm happy with. Graham and Rachel were both in favor of flatbed scanners, so I'd like to offer a few points in favor of the camera scanning method. When I first started shooting film, my boss gave me a Canon 9000 F2 scanner that could take 35 millimeter and 120 or 120 film. But I was never very happy with the results from that. After some experimentation, I've settled on a DSLR scanning method that meets my needs quite well. Here are some of the pros and cons as I see them. So the pros for camera scanning. First of all, the price. If you have to go out and buy a new camera just for scanning negatives, then you're probably better off buying a scanner. But assuming you have a decent camera of some sort, 
Uh, mine is a 24 megapixel Canon ADD with a crop sensor. The other stuff you need for digitizing, you probably already have, or you can buy it for not very much at all. Another big benefit for me, at least, is space. My scanner used to sit on my desk and took up quite a bit of real estate, but now I've attached a macro rail to the wall above my workbench, so there's no fussing with a tripod required, and it takes up no disk space whatsoever. I can just pop my camera onto the rail and adjust it for whatever format I'm digitizing. I set an LED light pad underneath it, and away we go. Next up is dust. My scanner was able to remove dust and scratches with okay results, but sometimes the fixed spots looked like a big drop of color, and I needed to fix them in afterwards in Photoshop. The big problem that at least my scanner, and maybe all scanners, can only remove dust from color images. With a little bit of extra effort, you can automatically remove almost all dust from black and white or color film by stacking multiple images. The next benefit is file size. A good quality scan from my Canon scanner was around 660 megabytes. If I stack images with the same pixel dimensions, it's about 186 megabytes. And for most of the stuff that I scan, the files are around 45 megabytes. I think this is because the scanner is also capturing more color information, more channels, but this has never been something that I've been missing with my camera scanned images so I would rather save the disk space. Time is also, of course, a benefit of using the camera scanning method. The scan itself takes an eighth of a second or a third of a second, whatever your shutter speed is. Of course, you still have to load the negatives into whatever you're using as a holder and swap them out, dust them, put them back in their sleeves, or throw them on the floor, whatever it is you do with them. But uh, I think overall the time is still much less than running it through the scanner. And then we get to the main benefit, which is the image quality. The scans that I got from the Canon scan almost seemed to always be out of focus, and maybe it was actually a problem with my scanner. But using the camera, I can focus in very precisely on what should be in focus, I can adjust the depth of field, and I get a nice sharp image. If you need lots and lots of pixels, you can always take lots of shots of the one negative and stitch them together as a panorama, but I usually don't bother with this. One shot is usually good enough for what I need. So that's a lot of reasons why I like the camera scanning idea. There are some disadvantages as well. There are a lot more pieces of gear involved. A scanner is one single unit, and for the camera scanning, you got to get your camera and your lens and your LED pad and all that set up and keep track of everything. Another disadvantage is you need software. I use Lightroom and Photoshop, and for black and white, that's all you need. Uh, you also can do black and white with any other photo editing software. For color negatives, I use Negative Lab Pro, which is a plugin for Lightroom. I can highly recommend it, but you do need Lightroom for that. So if you shoot a lot of color negatives, you'll definitely want to check out what your options are for getting rid of the red mask and inverting them. If you're just starting out either with a scanner or using the camera, be prepared to spend some time fussing with it and trying different options. Getting it set up how you want it and the results that you need will probably take a lot of trial and error. So. As Rachel and Graham said, it's all about what your expectations are and how much time and effort you're willing to put in to get them. Anyways, that's enough from me. I hope this has been helpful for Richard and maybe some other people as well. And uh, Rachel and Graham, thanks for a great show as always. I enjoy listening to it quite a bit and always look forward to the next episode coming out. So take care.